0: Are you looking to jumpstart your health and weight loss goals? Now more than ever, it's important to boost your immune system and gain control over chronic diseases that are so prevalent in our society today. Wellness Foundation's program, Jumpstart 360, can change your life in just four weeks. The Jumpstart 360 program will teach you the power of a plant-based diet for optimal health, help you create exercise goals that work for you, provide tools and tips to help you manage and reduce stress, and show you how to transition into a healthy and sustainable lifestyle. We make sure to provide you the support with our weekly group support sessions, private Facebook community, and weekly check-in emails. If you would like to learn more information about the Jumpstart 360 program, please visit WFEH.org. For the past 15 years, Wellness Foundation has been on a mission to educate, empower, and improve the health of people and the planet. Whether you are a plant-based professional or considering leaning into a healthier lifestyle, the Plant-Powered and Thriving Podcast will educate, motivate, and inspire you to take your wellness game to the next level. In each episode, host Jen Taylor, Vice President of Wellness Foundation, has thoughtful conversations with world-renowned physicians and experts, wellness warriors, and change agents who are moving the needle forward in plant-based nutrition. Check out Wellness Foundation's programs at WFEH.org and learn how we can help you on your wellness journey. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Wellness Foundation and share the show with someone who needs to hear these conversations to create healthy change.
1: So without further ado, I want to introduce my guest tonight, Kathy Freston. For those of you who don't know Kathy, and I don't know what rock you're living under if you don't, but (laughs) (laughs) Kathy has written eight books. She is an amazing advocate for animals and for wellness in general and the whole plant-based movement. She literally wrote the book on protein. So friends, whenever somebody says to you, if you're following a plant-based diet, but where do you get your protein? Just hand them this. That's what I do now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And Kathy wrote also wrote the book that really started me um, wanting to not just be plant-based but to actually go out into the world and help change the consciousness of people and that's quantum wellness this is like honestly one of my favorite books on the planet i love it and i'm so excited that people can get to know you and hear what you have to say because we've been saying for the last few weeks at wellness foundation since we've all sort of been in lockdown, that this is really it's hard, but it's also an opportunity for a shift that I think has needed to happen. And there's a consciousness that has to change. And I feel like this time gives us time to sit back a little bit, slow down, and maybe take a look at ourselves and also globally what we need to change so that we can help our own health, the help of our brothers and sisters on the planet, and the health of the planet. And there's just nobody better to talk to about this subject than you because you literally wrote the book on it years ago way ahead of your time
2: <laughs> thank you thank you
1: so welcome kathy how are you doing
2: i'm great i love talking to you i love that we go back so far many years ago mm-hmm. I, I attended an event that you organized for your foundation and and i just love what you're doing so thank you for having me on and thank you for the work that you do in the world bringing light and consciousness and awareness and Food and everything into the conversation is so powerful. So, <laughs> thanks for having me on. Thank
1: yeah. you, thank you. How are you faring with this sort of new normal that we're living in? You know,
2: it's interesting. I'm down in Miami with my partner, Dan Butner, and Miami is a great place to be. We're in an apartment with, you know, beautiful view and it's warm out. So, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm hyper aware of the people who are not as lucky as we are to have, you know, this kind of health and access to health care. And the idea of just like standing by waiting for your relief check is, is so incredibly stressful. So I, you know, on the one hand, I'm, I'm doing really well. And on the other hand, I churn with worry for what people are going through and they're going to go through because as you well know what one of us goes through all of us go through i don't see it as a separate experience from from me you know i think if you have empathy you can't help but to wonder how people are going to deal with this this trauma in their lives you know so i feel i feel very grateful for how i'm you know healthy and okay financially you know and i'm i'm also just amazed that people have the fortitude to deal with this thing. It's a beast. It is a beast.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've been thinking that, you know, when I, when we first started having to be so conscious about washing our hands for the full 20 seconds and everything, I would stand there thinking to myself, there are so many people without access to water, let alone hand sanitizer, and people for whom, like, this is hard for us, but people from life is much harder every single day always. And and yeah. I think it, it's giving us a chance to maybe think about those things and those people and how we can use our lives to help make things
2: a little yep. bit better. And even even if we do have that stuff, I don't know about you, but like, I went through <laughs> hell and high water to get my hands on some Lysol, <laughs> you know? And uh, when I met Dan down here, he couldn't find any hand sanitizer, so I packed A big thing that I had at my house in California and I brought it down here so these things and we couldn't find beans you know I was actually very well prepared in California I had these big 10 pound bags of beans and a 10 pound bag of rice and you know all of this stuff but I came down here and we had to find stuff and it was not that available it's like beans are a hot commodity now which I love but it also shows you how quickly the supply chain can get disrupted. So even if we're not one of those people who don't have a roof over their head or insurance to cover what's going on with their health, we can see how quickly everything falls apart. Like this is not nothing. I mean, it, going on a little bit longer, you know, there's run on food, there's run on sanitation items. It's 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 no joke. It's no joke. So I think it's a wake up call. Obviously, there's been a f- quite a few wake up calls in the in the past decade, but I'm I'm really hoping that we all start seeing like this is serious. It's it's not just something that's gonna go away and get get easier. I agree
1: And, and you know, I think my heart goes out as I know yours does to all the people who are suffering with this virus, who've lost loved ones to this virus, and I don't want to diminish that in any way when I talk about what we're trying to focus in on with this series, which is not only how to survive a pandemic, but how we can use this time to come out of it thriving for our own health, better than it has in the past, but also for animals, for the world, for the planet. And I really hope that this starts a conversation about what I've been calling wellness rising. Mm
0: -hmm. We can
1: come out of this sort of the way, you know, the Phoenix does, rises from the ashes. We can come out of it better for having gone through this time, but it's going to take being present to a lot of things that we've kind of numbed out to as
2: a human race, I think. Well, and- you hit it exactly. We've numbed out to a lot. We've numbed out to the food process, how we get our food. We've numbed out to what we're doing to the oceans. So this is sort of a shock to the system. It's like, uh, it's like take a good look at your choices 10 steps before how, how did your food get to you how did that all your your clothing your you know whatever any anything you consume how did it get to you and then go 10 steps out and see what are the effects on the world what are the effects on the oceans and the uh, other people on the on the climate you know it's really a wake-up call and we see that it's us it's who it's, we are the consumers. We are the change makers in this world. It's not that somebody else is doing it. It's we as a culture, as a collective culture, we are making this stuff happen. And guess what? There's nobody that's going to save us. We are going to have to save ourselves. And how do you do that?
0: Right. And that's what you're
2: talking about is the wellness rising. It's like you rise out of the ashes. These We are getting burned here and we're probably going to get out of this Okay, but there'll be another pandemic. There'll be other viruses that come along, you know, so uh, we need to figure out what we need to change fundamentally, foundationally in the food system because that's that's what's kicked everything off here in this virus.
1: Yeah, and I want to go, take a little bit of a deep dive into the virus because i i follow you on instagram and if you don't follow kathy on instagram get on instagram and follow kathy freston because you have just great information there and your some of your videos are absolutely hilarious i'm going to talk about in a little bit but and i know you have something that's really been sort of troubling you about this virus that we haven't been talking about, which I wanna to talk to you about. But before that, just for people that maybe are new to plant-based eating, can you just tell us, I know you get asked this question all the time, but what moved you in this
2: direction? Oh no, I'm happy to talk about this because it's so it's so basic. I mean, I grew up in the South and I ate everything. I mean, I ate hot dogs and steaks on the grill and I loved chicken wings and I loved every kind of milkshake and cheese and everything. I definitely did not pop out of the womb a vegan. In fact, I was probably the opposite. And if I worked at Pizza Hut and my favorite thing was the deep dish, you know, sausage pizza with extra cheese, and I, if someone had told me you're going to be an activist for veganism, I'd be like. There no way, you know, so I, just to say, this is, you know, and I grew up in the South, and, and we ate a lot of chicken and steak, and we didn't think anything about it, you know, food is culture, how you eat is what you do with your friends, it's, it's your family, it's your, it's your social life, so I wasn't really thinking about it, but I, you know, I, be, I was writing about consciousness, and I was writing about waking up and being more aware in your life, and I realized that the one place I didn't have a lot of awareness in was food. Like, where did my food come from? Look, it, it, is it a conscious choice what I'm eating? Is, am I cool with that? Is my soul sitting right with the food that I was eating, you know? As I was thinking about this stuff, reluctantly, <laughs> I, I got some pamphlet in the mail by some animal organization. I don't know what it was. And it showed a cow being dragged to slaughter by a forklift and it was I think it was like a spent dairy cow that couldn't walk anymore and it was shocking and I thought oh my god this this is horrible certainly you know I'm I'm not any part of this but I thought well I eat dairy I eat cheese so I kind of am part of it so I started doing a little bit of a dive and looking into how food gets to us specifically meat dairy and eggs and as I was thinking about that stuff, I was playing with my dog, Lotsey one day. She was a little chihuahua. And she was on her back, and I was tickling her tummy. And you know how dogs, they just, they just like, move with it. And I was I'm just thinking, I'm so in love with this dog. She is the cutest little animal ever. And then this voice in my head said, well, if you love animals so much, why are you eating them? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, crap inconvenient question, you know? (laughs) So I started picturing Lotsey as if she were a pig or a little cow, Mm -hmm. a calf. And I pictured her in the food system, you know, in a feedlot or in a a pen and then in a line for the slaughterhouse. And, you know, my dog... I could tell when she was anxious. I could tell when she was happy. She had this full spectrum of emotions. And so I started picturing her in these circumstances, and it was like, oh my God, this is horrible. And then I realized that she's just an animal that I know. And if I knew that pig or I knew that cow, one of the billions that are on the slaughter lines, and I, I knew their personalities, I would. I would be crazed at the thought of what they were going through, you know? So I, um, I realized that I'm a hypocrite, that I'm eating dairy and eggs and meat and pork and bacon and all this stuff. And I don't like the idea of what happens to the animals, but I, I kept eating it. So, so from that moment on, I said, my intention is to be someone who doesn't eat anything from an animal. I don't know how I'm going to get there because I freaking love bacon and I love cheese, but that's my intention. I'm just going to hold to that intention and I'm going to point myself in the direction of that and I'm going to lean into it. And that became my journey to becoming vegan and it didn't happen overnight.
1: Well, and I think that's the biggest thing, you know, it's like with anything. I've been working with clients in wellness for 25 years and nothing really is overnight. You know, usually the things that we can do that quickly, they don't last. It's like a flash in the pan. You do well for a little bit and then, you know, mm-hmm. you, you lose it. And so I think your concept of leaning in is so brilliant because that's really what we have to do. You lean in a little mm-hmm. and maybe you don't have a perfect day and the next day you lean in again and you do better. You that's right. that's all that's we can do. It's yeah. about perfection and that's I think that's Personal the biggest perfection. thing. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's so, so important. And I think what you were saying, I remember hearing you tell that story years ago. And I can't remember if it was. I feel like it was maybe an interview you did with Oprah where I heard you tell that story. And I, I thought, gosh, she's so right. Like if I know the animal, it makes a difference. Just like if I know the person, it makes a difference. But when it's this faceless, mm-hmm. nameless being, and then I think if it's us we'd want to be known so that it would matter yes. to somebody. And it's yeah. just so important.
2: Yeah. Can you imagine if it was you and maybe the Buddhists are right? I don't know, but maybe, you know, maybe there's karma, maybe who knows, but if, what if we were that animal? What if we came back as that animal? I mean, to, to experience the, the fear. Like I'm I'm thinking about this slaughterhouse, these slaughterhouses that are closed down because of COVID, you know, God, those animals, I mean, what are they feeling right now? They're in this just holding area. They've been deprived of food and water and they don't know what's going on and the smells and it's just this horrible sort of limbo of terribleness that they're in. What would that be like if it was us, you know? So empathy is a tough thing. Having empathy is not easy. its It's a blessing and it's a curse. But it's certainly something that I would want to have because I think it helps us to evolve in our lives you know it's we ignorance is bliss for a reason it's we don't have to think of anything we just have a good time we would taste delicious food we join in the traditions and we go about our lives unconsciously but we're fairly you know happy but i don't know to me there's something more that we're here for and i think we're here personally i think we're here to evolve you know to to lean towards the light lean toward our better selves to keep making choices that hoist us up this ladder of personal evolution and that's what i'm really interested in and i think that's the opportunity that we have with covid
1: yeah 100 percent agree with you tell me a little bit i know you've been posting on instagram especially in the early days of all of this you were posting your frustration which i was feeling as well about we were talking about the inconvenience and the being afraid and all the things that were going through our minds, but we weren't really talking about the root of where this virus came from.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting how they focus in the media on the cure and the vaccine and the death rate and all those things are super important, but, and I understand the house is on fire, so you just want to put out the fire, right? But after the, after the fire is contained, you want to find out what started that fire. Because if we don't figure out what started that fire, it's going to happen again, right? Mm-hmm. If, you built yourself, if you built your house in a, in a tenuous place or you used the wrong materials, you, you want to know what's, what's going on so the house doesn't burn again. So what nobody's, well, they're starting to talk about it, actually. And the fact that this virus started in a wet market in these wildlife markets where animals are caged and butchered and sold for meat. That's where the virus starts. So these these animals are that have have the virus within them. It doesn't necessarily harm them. They are stressed obviously. They're about to be slaughtered and they see what's going on. So when you're stressed, you shed the virus, the animal sheds the virus and it jumped to a human. So The more that we are exploiting animals and the more we're deforesting and you know getting closer to wildlife and exploiting wildlife and eating all kinds of crazy things and slaughtering animals by the billions in factory farms in the US, this is not just China. You know, this is this viruses come from the US, from all, all kinds of places. It's just that that this one came from China and it's it's a particularly visual horror. But if we saw what was going on in in slaughterhouses here, we'd be horrified too. So we really wanna look at, and I'm hoping that more and more people start questioning like, why is this happening and what are we doing? Because it's gonna happen again and it's gonna happen worse. Because we're getting more voracious as a culture with our appetite for meat. And that's trouble. Yeah,
1: you're absolutely right. I know it's so hard to pare this down to one or two things, but from your perspective, what would be the most important things that each of us could begin to do as individuals to begin to move in the right direction?
2: Oh, well, I would say if you're not plant-based already is to start investigating and you know experimenting with eating more vegan food. And I would say the first thing that's kind of easy to do is to switch out your dairy. There's an excellent organization called Switch for Good and they're all about Olympic athletes who have switched out dairy for non-dairy plant-based creams and yogurts and things like that and how their health improves, their energy improves. So I think that switching out dairy is the first thing that I would do because the conditions on the dairy cows are just horrible. And it's so easy. So there's so many great dairy alternatives for yogurt, for ice cream, for cheese. It's kind of dangerous, frankly. (laughs) I I kind of miss the days where it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll have a baked potato with some vegetables because that's my only option. Mm -hmm. Now there's like killer ice creams and pizzas and, you know, whipped cream and cheeses galore. It's amazing. So I, I would lean toward that and then and then also lean toward switching out your proteins. Like instead of ground beef, try the beyond beef, beyond meat, the meat crumbles. Or or if you want to keep it super clean and whole foods, do some lentils or black beans in your tacos rather than the meat. And just to sort of play with what you can switch out in terms of replacing animal foods with plant foods and, and leaning toward an animal-free diet. Yeah, I, one of the
1: things I want to touch on, because when you were just talking about Beyond Meat and some of the great options that we have now, with, you know, non-animal-based foods. Oh gosh, when I started doing this, I think it was about 25 years ago when I was working with my friend, Mary Lou Henner, and that's where I first learned about giving up dairy and all of that yeah. stuff. And, and um, back then, I had to go to my local food co-op and order soy milk that had to be ordered in because there was no non-dairy. That (laughs) is
2: commitment, Jen. That (laughs) is commitment.
1: I love that. But I really, I wanted to, I was trying to cure endometriosis, and everything I read said stop eating things with hormones, and Mary Lou was talking about it before anybody else really was at the time. And I did her program, and I went to the store, and there was no plant-based milk, and soy was the only option. And now, I mean, we have so
2: many. Hemp and rice and everything, all kinds of stuff. It's amazing, isn't it?
1: What are your favorite um, milk substitutes? Which ones do you love
2: right now? Um, I'm loving oatly oat milk right now. It's, It's so good. They have the regular one and they have the reduced fat one, and I must admit that I like the regular one. So um, that's my favorite milk right now. I still love silk soy creamer because it's just so creamy and rich. in my tea in the morning or coffee, I have coffee. It's not really coffee, but yeah. So I've been, I've been loving that. I, I, but I'm kind of like with any, I'd like anything. I mean, I'm very particular with what I drink with my tea because I want it to be thick and creamy. So I like either the Oatly or the Silk soy creamer or um, Trader Joe's has a great soy creamer as well Um, but as far as like putting in my granola or just you know having it whatever you'd have milk with I love it all I love the I love the hemp milk I love the rice milk I love um, coconut milk is so good you know there's just so many great options. I love them all, too. Oatly's a favorite in
1: our house, um, An Oatly <sighs> Matcha Green Tea Latte is, like, a oh, favorite thing. I'm in love Oh, with come on. Yeah. yeah. And you, I mean, so you can eat it because it's also good for you, you know. Yeah. It's like giving your body things that it needs. It's just, it's, that's what yeah, I love yeah. about a plant-based diet because I really can't think of any other lifestyle, you know, lots of diets can work and help you lose weight or be healthy. But I don't know of anything else that prevents and reverses disease on a cellular level like a plant-based diet. So it's like the most bang for
2: your buck that you could get. Yeah, Exactly. And, and those diets that do help you lose weight, I think you may look healthier you know, if it's not plant-based in the short term, but long term, they really do damage your heart, your kidneys, and make your breath bad, <laughs> you know, things like that when you do the keto diet. But, things, but the plant-based diet is not only good for your health. This is what feels so good to me, is that, yeah, I could be sold on a lot of different things because of health. Like you said, you could lose weight quickly or, you know, something gives you particular energy. But to know that you are not contributing to climate change, to know that you are not contributing to water pollution, to know that you are not contributing to animal cruelty, You know, that's an amazing thing that you only get from a plant-based diet, a vegan diet. I I like saying vegan for myself just because I think people who are plant-based tend to be more interested in the health aspect of it, which is fantastic. I just love the body, mind, soul sort of combo that you get. And so I like to call it vegan because it sort of encompasses the ethical as well as the health aspects. Yeah, I, well,
1: I know you love that word because you, the veganist, is one of your books, and um, the book of veganish, right? Is that the, the cookbook? Yeah. If you, um, if you're looking for recipes, Kathy's book, the book of veganish, is amazing. Got lots of great recipes, and I love this book too. I've given it to a lot of people. We teach um, a program in our local schools with kids, and so we teach kids from pre-K all the way through high school about plant-based eating and. Uh, mindfulness and exercise and and the importance of building your health while you're young so that you have it when you're older. And I've loved using recipes from Book of Veganish with the high school kids because they really like it.
2: And those recipes are super simple. They're specifically for young adults who aren't going to bother with, you know, fancy ingredients and frankly, I'm someone who doesn't bother with fancy ingredients either, but they're very easy recipes and they're things that, you know, you could find on college campuses, for instance, or if you're in a very small apartment and only have one little warmer. They're just things that you could eat anywhere and they're super inexpensive, which I love too. That's another thing. The aspect of eating vegan is that it's so inexpensive. It saves you money. Beans and rice and tortillas, super cheap super accessible, unless it's a pandemic and you can't get your hands on beans.
1: <laughs> you know? I know. I, I felt sorry for you, actually, when you said that you, you got to Florida and were having a hard time getting things because I, I do follow you on Instagram. So one of the things I love about your Instagram is your relationship with your dear friend, Alana Stewart. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. What I love about this, and, it, and it's what I love about the Lean and all the books that you've written, is that you're not saying to people, "Hey, if you can't be vegan and do it my way, like you can't be my friend." You have made room um, in your life for all kinds of people, and you and Alana are very different in a lot of ways. But what I w- see in watching you is you're alike in most of the ways that really matter. Just both beautiful people and good people. And I love that you allow for her to not always love the substitutes that you give her. I've been in that too, where I hand my friend something, I'm like, oh, "It's
2: great." She is so honest. She is not. She is not someone who's just going to go along with it for the yeah. ride. She is so honest. I love Alana for that. And you're right. We're so different. We're we're different. Politically, ideologically, in so many different ways. And we're great friends. I mean, girlfriends, like we like to go out for a martini and scoop about, you know, relationships and things like that. Just because we eat differently doesn't mean we don't like each other. We make room for those differences. But what I love about Alana is that she's genuinely curious. I mean, she's not she's not one to be guilted into anything. So it's not like she's coming along like, oh, I feel bad that I'm eating. She's not. But she loves to bake. She's curious. She does want to be healthy, and uh, she has a granddaughter. And you know, she she wants to experiment. And so we have a, a great time doing that. And I have to be on my toes with her because she ain't she ain't just saying yes for nothing. It's like it has to taste good. It's it's awesome
1: though. It's really great to watch. I look forward to those videos. I'm like, can't wait for quarantine to be over so you guys can get together again. Because it's, and I, and what I was referencing when I brought her videos up was that you dragged out this huge bag of rice one day.
2: <laughs> and, and she you know, said I was crazy. No. And you know what? I was not crazy. She was like, What are you doing? That I mean, and I had this huge bag of rice and I also had a huge bag of beans. And guess what? <laughs> I'm so glad I had those bags. Of course, they're in California, they're not here with me in Miami, but you know. I just sort of think it's better to be a little prepared. And also with vegan food, this, like oats, I have a bunch of steel-cut oats. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, these are staples. These are things that keep, and I have a lot of frozen fruits and vegetables. And I have protein powder in case I need that. So I, I have a lot of stuff and I feel prepared. That, and not only am I going to go through this and just get by, I think I'm going to be healthier for it. I already feel healthier. Dan and I were, were talking about how, we, we lost some weight because we're not going out all the time. We used to go out to dinner, I hate to say it, but like five nights a week. You know, Dan's an extreme extrovert, so he loves going out. And we, we just go out a lot. But being at home and eating healthy food that we're cooking has been fantastic. It's kind of like doing a cleanse.
1: And I think it's also just been, for me, I found it really fun to just be able to prepare meals and sit around the table with my family in a way that maybe we don't connect all the time because everybody's going in different directions and busy, and it it has let us connect with each other a little bit more, Mm -hmm. which is kind of nice. In clean protein, I want to talk about protein, animal protein versus plant protein, because there's so much misinformation out there about how much protein you need. Most Mm -hmm. people are getting way too much and how you can actually put clean protein into your diet really pretty
2: easily, and like you said, pretty cheap. Yeah, well, what is clean protein? So, clean protein means it uh, doesn't have cholesterol, it means it has very little saturated fat, it means that it doesn't have pathogens like E. coli, salmonella, campylobacter, it means that it's keeping the environment clean, so you're not polluting, you know, the water system and the land and all that, You're and it's not creating climate change. Mm-hmm. And it's clean for your conscience. You know, you feel clean in your soul, and that's what clean protein is. It's it's uh, You're getting all the good stuff, but you're also getting fiber along with it. You know, when you have animal protein, you're getting zero fiber, and most most people don't get enough fiber. And fiber is like, that is the stuff you want. And nature provides that. Fiber is like the bones, it's like the skeleton of plant foods, like we have a bone skeleton. Well, plants have fiber. Mm -hmm. And when you eat it, it acts like a scrub brush. It just goes through your system and gets rid of all the gunk, you know, really helps regulate your cholesterol, your triglycerides, your fat, all of that stuff and it also makes you feel really full so you feel satiated so you're not overeating all the time you know animal foods has no fiber so you it's very condensed it's very calorically dense which is why we as humans crave it because back in the day you know availability of of food was it was scarce and so we crave uh calorie dense foods but when we eat plant-based foods full of fiber you're getting all this protein and you're feeling full and satiated at the same time, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, so it's so, so true. And I think it that's a really important thing to distinguish that clean protein doesn't... We teach the kids at our school program that clean protein doesn't leave footprints in your arteries. So animal I love protein that. footprints, but clean protein doesn't. So yeah. that's one of the ways we try to distinguish it with the, with the kids. and. And it's amazing too, and I know you see this all the time with people that have read your books and, and done your programs. If you haven't read Kathy's book, The Lean, and you're looking for an easy way to jump into this, that is a great book because you do a new habit each day. So one day you just start drinking water and the next day you're going to eat an apple, but each day you're going to continue the habit from the day before, right?
2: Yeah, but you're not just eating an apple or you're not just drinking water, just to make sure that, um, you know, it doesn't sound like it's an extreme cleanse. It's just like you're eating everything you're normally eating, you're doing everything you're normally eating and you're now adding in, you know, extra water. And then the next day, you're eating everything you normally do anyway. You're not cutting anything out, and you're having this extra water, and now you're adding in an apple. So, and then, so it's every day, you add in a new habit. And what this does is it crowds out the old habits, the, 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 the unconscious habits, the bad habits, the unhealthy habits, because you're doing all this good stuff now that there's no room you don't know, it's like there's only so many hours in the day there's only so much room in your belly so that you're you're actually not you're not hungry anymore you you don't have that craving anymore and fiber is funny it, it, it really it regulates your your insulin too so you're you're not craving food you don't you it regulates the sugar in your body so you're not on this crazy up and down thing where you you know, crave something sweet and then you get you crash from it, it just keeps you very even, which is a great thing. Yeah,
1: I think the the impact that a plant-based diet has on insulin is really amazing. I mean, we see people who come to us who've been restricting their carbohydrates, meaning more processed carbohydrates, junky, you know, cookies mm-hmm. cakes and breads and things like that, and they can't believe the quantity of food that they can eat on a plant-based yeah. diet and yet they don't need insulin after just a few days oftentimes and a few amazing. weeks amazing
2: yeah it's incredible and by the way i love quantity <laughs> i mean just i think some people when they think about eating vegan they're thinking oh my god i don't want to eat a salad and i wouldn't want to eat a salad either i'm so not interested in eating a plate of steamed broccoli and a potato or you know salad i want hearty food and that's what you learn is that oh my god this stuff is really hearty. It is very filling. You are getting hot stuff like a pile of food and it's very gratifying. And that's the that's the pleasant surprise one of the many pleasant surprises I think when you start eating vegan or vegan ish.
1: Well and I love some of the recipes I know you said you don't love to cook. So yeah. I loved when I was following you years ago on Instagram, I would see some of the simple meals that you would put together. Yeah. I mean, just these beautiful bowls with a grain and a protein and some
2: greens. So what's your favorite bowl to make where you cook? Oh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna like embarrass myself because I'm so, so simple. I am uh, I, really not a very good cook. So <laughs> what my fallback go-to is just, I have um, either rice or quinoa and beans and then i make a giant salad with anything i have in the fridge um and carrots and greens if i whatever and i just throw it all in together and it's that's my go-to and it's delicious but there are better ways you can do it you can have like really delicious bowls that are a little bit more thought out. But I just don't like, I, I I don't like to spend a lot of time on food. I also really love Mexican food. So I love making a tortilla or a taco with some black beans and just tons of salsa and shredded lettuce. And, you know, if I'm getting really indulgent, I'll have some vegan sour cream and cheese on top. And it's just so good. <clears throat> my mouth is watering. I know, right? One
1: of my, um, one of our viewers here, Elizabeth wants to know, what is your favorite go-to green smoothie? Like, what do you love to put in your smoothies?
2: Oh, great question. I do a base of water, and I do Vega Sport just because I love it. You know, I, it tastes really yummy to me, and, and they sweeten with stevia, I believe. And then I put in um, frozen kale. And or frozen broccoli and then I put in uh, whatever frozen fruit I have because I like it really cold either mangoes and blueberries or strawberries and pineapple and then um, What else do I put in it? Oh, I put in some flax seeds You know some some freshly ground flax seeds or I just throw in the seeds all together because that's really great for the omega-3s and Yeah, I think that's it. So I do that and then if I just want a nice green blend, I don't call it a juice because I don't juice. It's too much to clean for me, but I have a little Nutribullet mm-hmm. and I put, it's always a base of water. And then I get a bunch of greens that I just always have some greens and a you know big thing in my fridge. And so I'll put in a bunch of greens, whatever they are, and then a half of an apple and a squeeze of either lime or lemon. Sometimes I have that juice. It's just juice of lime and I'll put that in and a little bit of ginger juice. I get this juice is called, um, I think it's called the ginger man or the ginger people. And it's just a plain ginger juice. It's amazing. And I blend that up and it's like a cocktail. It is so good. So I'm getting all my green. know it's so energizing and it's so good. And it's so easy to clean. um, Juicing is just, I, I don't love juicing. And that way when I do a blend, a green blend, I'm getting all the fiber from it too, which I think is really, important.
1: I love that. I got a tip from you. Um, One time you were making a smoothie. I think it was one of your Instagram videos. And you mentioned, I think somebody had said it to you, putting in raw zucchini into your smoothie. And I would never have done that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to try that. And you can't taste it at all. And it was a great way
2: to get a little zucchini in. That's the thing, you can't, when you have like some cold stuff and you put in some ice and other cold stuff and you mix it up, you really can't tell. And it's great for kids too, because if you put in um, blueberries, frozen blueberries or fresh blueberries, the thing is purple. So they don't know that there's vegetables in there. You can add in, you know, frozen broccoli. Do do the frozen, I think it tastes better than the fresh, you know, in a smoothie. Because I don't know why, actually, I don't know why, but it just tastes better. And so when you do it for a, a, a kid, all they know is they're getting a delicious purple shake. They don't know that there's zucchini or broccoli in there. And so they're getting all their nutrition without even complaining about it.
1: Yeah, that's one we love to do in school with the kids. So we use frozen cauliflower broccoli mix and water, zucchini. You could use almond milk or your favorite plant milk. And um, we use dinosaur kale. And blueberries, and we call it a blue dino, and the kids love it. And they don't, Amazing. you know, they don't even taste Amazing. it. oh we throw a little banana into. You want a little banana in there? Yeah, so, that's great. It taste. yeah, it's, it's fun. That's so good. So we talked earlier about your partner is Mr. Blue Zones, Dan Butner. And yeah. for anybody who doesn't know about the Blue Zones, can you talk? Just tell us a little bit about it, and also the reason I'm asking about it. One of the things that Dan found in the Blue Zones was that people that had we're eating more plants. And particularly, there's one food in particular that I know Dan says is the food that everybody should be eating. because it
2: help with longevity? Can you tell us about that? Sure, well Dan Dan is a National Geographic Explorer. And so he went about a, a series of explorations to find out where the longest, healthiest people live. The populations in the world where they lived longest, they're the happiest and healthiest, and most vitality. And so he found these five locations: Costa Rica, uh, the highlands of Sardinia, Okinawa, Japan, uh, Loma Linda, California, where the Seventh Day Adventists are. And they—they um, they, so they all have in common that they eat mostly a plant-based uh, diet, not 100%, but mostly. Not because they're trying to be virtuous, not because they, you know, have studied the health. Uh, Reports and decided to do this, but it's just because it's what culturally was available. It's inexpensive and they make it taste delicious and they eat very little meat They eat it sort of as a celebratory Treat or as flavoring in a big soup or something like that, but for the most part it's it's plant-based and so Dan says that the the longevity food is uh, our beans beans are beans are the bomb i mean they are so packed with protein and minerals and fiber you know people think eggs are full protein usually people say oh i got to eat my eggs got to eat protein one egg has 6 grams of protein in it roughly 3 in the yolk 3 in the white so that's not, even if you're eating whites, you're getting three three grams of protein in a white uh, of an egg, and that's not very much. You eat one cup of lentils, and you're getting, I think, 18 grams of protein, which is a lot of protein. And you're getting all that fiber and the minerals and stuff like that. So we have a lot of beans going in this house. We have probably 10, 10 varieties. We, we like buying sort of heritage beans, the kind that, you know, They've grown generationally in these farms and then we have good old plain lentils and black beans and black eyed peas and I have to admit that Dan is, Dan is the, the chef in our family. I, I do the sous chef cleanup work afterwards, but he, he's the one who makes the best soups in the world. And he's got a bunch of recipes in his new book called the blue zones kitchen I would highly recommend it oh there you go exactly My favorite. It's, I so love good. Book. <laughs> it's so good and it's beautifully shot David McLean is the National Geographic photographer and he just took beautiful pictures so Dan went into these these homes where these old women are still preparing foods like they used to because you know the Blue Zones are changing. They're getting more American diets and so the older people have these secrets to the foods. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to capture them and go into their kitchens and you know write down what what exactly goes into these foods and they're pretty pretty simple and pretty delicious.
1: Yeah no I I agree this is a great cookbook to add to your collection. I love it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's you know it's funny because You and I, one of the things we have in common, I'm also a very introverted person. I have to be extroverted in my work, but I I tend to be a very introverted person. So when all of this was happening, my friends were going crazy having to be at home. And I'm thinking, this is some people's worst nightmare, but it's sort of like what I've been training for my entire life because I tend (laughs) to be an introvert. I have time to read a book. That's great. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, oh, I just need to stay home. But one of the things that I love, about what's happened with your relationship with Dan, is one of the things in the Blue Zones that Dan found was the importance of social connection, that we have to have community in our Mois and just have people that we're, you know, in community with and connecting with. And it looks like you're, you're doing a lot more of that since you've been with Dan. You guys are connecting with neighbors. And can you tell
2: me that, oh, he's that- totally changed my lifestyle for sure. Because I, being an introvert, I'm like, I just want to sit up on a hill, read a book, and, you know, maybe see one person a day. But Dan is loves, he, and he's right. I mean, studies show that people are happier if they're connected in their communities, you know. So uh, where we live, we get to know our neighbors, we have our neighbors over for happy hour and vice versa. We go over there, we look in on each other. This is all sort of blue zones. This is what they do in these cultures is they look after each other. And he created, well, it's, it's called a moai. And it's, I think it started in Okinawa. These, these women would come together as children and they were friends for their whole lives. And it's called a moai and they sort of share good news and their stress and look after each other. If someone doesn't show up for a card game, they go and see what happened. And there's this security of knowing that you have a community of people who cares about you. You know, I think in this day and age, where we're all, well, not during pandemic, but when we're all going, 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 and so aggressively chasing our dreams, we forget about the simple pleasures of just, community, just being with people who we feel comfortable with, who we can share a glass of wine or a cup of tea with, and how how good and solid and simple that feels. And that leads to wellness.
1: Yeah, it's for sure it's soul nourishment. You know, it's, it's, it's as important mm. as the physical nourishment side of it, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a, a question for you from Courtney, and she wants to know what your thoughts are and how much of a role mental and emotional health plays on our relationship with food.
2: Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, emotionally, I think we look to food to be connected to our communities, right? And I think that um, as someone who's vegan, I found that challenging at first, you know, when we had Thanksgiving or burgers or whatever. And so I think that now we've come to a point in the culture where it's so normalized where if I'm going to someone's barbecue, I'll just say, do you mind if I bring some, some, you know, some of my own food? And well, I I don't even ask. I just do. But um, I, I usually ask if I can bring some for everybody else. And so then I get to feel connected. I don't feel isolated. You know, I think that, we all eat differently and so we can tend to feel isolated and that's just not the case anymore because it's it's so ubiquitous, this kind of food, and it just makes you feel happy. To me, it makes me feel happy to know that I'm doing something light in the world, that I'm sparing an animal's life, that I'm, you know, contributing to something good and that I challenge myself, frankly. You know, I think it feels really good when you challenge yourself and, you actually rise to the occasion, there's a pride there, like, okay, I can do this. I set my sights on something and I can do this. So I think that it brings brings me a lot of happiness and studies show that 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 eating that way and being healthy in your life actually does contribute to a really good mood. So food food is food is our emotion, it's our connection, it's our sense of it's what we do at least three times a day. It's who we are. It's we're saying this is who I am. This is what I believe in. This is what I stand behind. And it's a joyous thing when you're eating food that doesn't bring suffering, but in fact brings healing. That makes you feel really good.
1: Yeah, that it, that reminds me of something my mom used to say. She always used to say, if you can't help, at least be harmless. Mm. And I would I think about that in terms of animals oh, and yeah. people. And, and if what we do and being part of the solution, because that's really to me what A vegan lifestyle, a plant-based lifestyle, is all about is and being consciously aware of things. Mm. Is that you're you're helping to be part of the solution instead of contributing to the problem, and healing? You know, healing and not harming. Like, what could be better
2: than love that? And that is, it's empowering. So even though it's like, okay, I'm I'm not going to harm. I'm just I'm going to heal myself. But it's empowering because. You've done something that actually does have an effect. It has a ripple effect. It has a, an effect on your health, your sense of well-being, your level of energy. It has an effect on your immediate surroundings. You know, I'm affecting my boyfriend, who's affecting his family. We're affecting our neighbors because they're coming over and you know eating burgers or, or whatever we're making, and they're discovering new foods. That's rippling out. So. That feels really good, and it's empowering. And when you feel empowered in one area of your life, you generally feel empowered in other areas across the board because you feel like, oh, my God, I am a change agent. I can do this. I do matter. My choices do matter, not just for me, but for a wider circle. Like my circle is getting wider. My care and concern is getting wider. My effect is rippling out, and that's, that feels really good. Feels feels empowering.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. How do you feel personally that we could come out of this, both as individuals and just collectively as humanity, is that wellness rising that I was talking about? What, what things do you feel like people could begin to do at home starting tomorrow to begin to make a little shift? I know we talked about, you know, giving up maybe dairy, swapping some things out, but how do you think people can do that in a way that will allow them to, to kind of stick with it? Because I think your your whole point about progress, not perfection, is so important that you don't just start and get, feel defeated because maybe your day is not perfect.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you've got the perfect opportunity because you have all this time on your hands. You know, normally we're rushing around and we've got all these things we've got to take care of. So this is a time where we can actually sit down and like, okay, I'm gonna make up a grocery list. I'm gonna make up what I normally buy, and I'm gonna say okay this I usually get milk, butter, ice cream, yogurt, so and then I can do my research online and see what alternatives look good, what people are saying so that when I go grocery shopping next time I have a full grocery list. I can also start watching cooking videos, mm-hmm. scrolling through Instagram to find you know hashtag vegan or hashtag vegan cooking or hashtag, vegan inspo or um, something like that. So you can really use this time to say, all right, I finally have the time to investigate. I'm gonna read that book. I can order it on my Kindle or, or download it on audio or you know get it online. I can read these books. I can start coming up with meal plans. I have meal plans and grocery lists, I think, in the Book of Veganish and Veganist and The Lean. I have them in almost all the books. But you think about what, am I, what do I want to eat this week? Like, really think about it because I'm not in a wild rush right now. I can actually think, why don't we do tacos on Tuesday? Why don't we do, like, a zucchini pasta on Wednesday? How about if we do like a black eyed pea stew on thursday like really think about it and take the time to to plan it out do your your meal plans do your your list your grocery shopping list and then and then explore it's really kind of cool when you when you find out how easy it is how doable it is
1: yeah that's that is so true one of the things i i want to really touch on with you because this is something I know in our classes that we teach, we teach an adult program called Wellness Challenge 360 that helps people transition and lean into a healthier lifestyle over a seven-week period. And I get a lot of heat sometimes from the group that I, I like to refer to sometimes as the angry vegans, the ang- angry plant-based people who get mm-hmm. so caught up in being you know, 100% perfect over yeah. giving somebody credit that they're even trying to make better choices, yeah. and you know, yeah. one of the things that we tell people is that transitional foods are okay. You know, uh-huh. are they optimal to have, you know, vegan ice cream, or you wouldn't want to eat that all the time, or really processed vegan foods, but as you're trying to lean into this way of living, those things will
2: make it so much easier. They're the bridge totally. to get you there. Totally. You know it's I mean? very unfortunate that people are so extreme sometimes, and think that, you know, if someone has to go, no oil, whole foods, you know, perfectly organic because the vast majority of people aren't going to be able to do that and it doesn't sound very fun, you know, it's like, let's explore, okay, maybe it's not a good idea to eat a burger every night, but if I'm going to decide not to eat a cow burger and try an impossible burger or a beyond burger instead, that's progress. I mean, that's progress for that cow. (laughs) It's progress for the climate. It's progress because you don't have cholesterol. Yeah, it's got a lot of saturated fat, and it's processed. It's not not ideal. It's not a bowl of rice and beans. But, you know, I know a lot of people who aren't going to sit down to a bowl of rice and beans, you know, and kale. It's just not going to happen. They may in six months. Mm -hmm. They may in a year. But let's just get going and experiment. And, uh, you know, so to say those people... If, if someone's giving you a hard time, you just say, progress, not perfection. I'm leaning in. Yeah,
1: that's that's it. it. That is the perfect, perfect answer because it's so, it's so important to give each other credit for anything we do that's moving us in the right direction. If you're moving yeah. the needle forward, you're moving the needle forward. Totally.
2: And, yeah. Totally. It's great. Yeah. And when I, when I first started, believe me, I was not a, a healthy vegan at all. But as, and I, I'm getting better still. I'm still a work in progress. I mean, I'm totally vegan, but I'm still like, you know, I'll love a good frozen pizza every once in a while. I love, you know, I I love vegan donuts. I mean, it's definitely not ideal. And the more, the more years go by, the healthier I get because I get more comfortable. I, you know, learn how to choose things better. But I don't want to shut myself down just because I just think, oh, I'm never going to have another donut again in my life. I can't do that. I want to, you know, I want to enjoy, I want to enjoy my life and I want to have a birthday cake and I want to, you know, just partake in, in all the great and fun things in life and life is meant to be enjoyed. And, and you keep leaning in, you keep making healthier and healthier choices, but you give yourself some room, some space
1: that's great advice i have a couple more questions for you before we wrap up but i just want to mention two things to our viewers so one is if you um like kathy on instagram and you also go to wellness foundations instagram and like us as well um, we'll be posting something later today after this video airs about how you can enter into a drawing to win a bundle of kathy's books so we have a whole bunch of kathy's books for you so if you always wanted to read all of her stuff we have a way for you to do that so we'll be posting that on Instagram and the other thing is for anybody who does want to lean into this we have a resource available for you on our website which is WFEH.org and we'll link you to it but it's called the thrive in five guide and it's a five-day meal plan with shopping lists and everything to help you dive into a plant-based diet but when we created it one of the things that I was really had to make sure happened was I couldn't stand it when you did a meal plan and you bought all this produce and then you only used a little of it in the recipe so that by the end of the week you had it rotting in your produce drawer. So we made sure that everything you buy at the beginning of the week, you use by the end of the fifth day. So we wanted to keep that in mind and also it's very time friendly. So you cook uh, once and you eat twice for each recipe. So we hope that that will help people. So do go and download that. It's totally free on our website to help
2: you. So great to have support like that, Jen. That's awesome.
1: What are your favorite um, sources, Kathy, for the scientifically evidence-based mm-hmm. you know, websites and places that you go to to
2: get your information? Oh, excellent question. Thank you. Let's see. I love nutritionfacts.org. Yeah. That is like you can type in anything. Uh, hemorrhoids, <laughs> um, eczema, breast cancer, energy, whatever interest you have that you want to find out like how to do it better or what, what the science is behind it. Uh, Dr. Michael Greger explains everything and it's all peer-reviewed studies. Everything that he says is backed up by studies. So that's, I just love that. I also love Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM. So that is an organization of doctors and dietitians. And any medical thing you need help on or want to know, like is is a vegan diet healthy for a toddler? How about pregnant women? And you know, what's the best diet if I'm trying to lose weight? Uh, Dr. Neil Barnard and his group of doctors and dietitians are amazing. So I love those two resources for anything that's health related, science, medical. And then for like being up in the world of changing, changing things. I love the Good Food Institute. Good Food Institute is all about bringing in healthier proteins and making the food system more just and making prices accessible and really lobbying Washington and lobbying governments and really trying to change things so that plant-based get a better better shot at succeeding. So Good Food Institute is full of great information. I also love Switch for Good, which is a, you know, athletes getting rid of dairy. I think that's really powerful to see what what athletes are eating so that they are strong and have lots of energy. And then I I love PETA and and I think PETA is just great for all the ethical questions you'd ever have about food or clothing or anything like that, you know, it's, it's, you can sort of count on them to, to let you know what, what's what, yeah, I think that, I mean, I, there's a bunch of stuff, but that's a good place to start.
1: Yeah, those are great ones, nutritionfacts.org and PCRM are at the top of my list as well. We actually, we're going to be interviewing Dr. Neil Barnard in a couple of weeks, oh, so we'll
2: talk to him, yeah. That's he's so brilliant. He's so brilliant. And he's just a steady voice in in health where he really can break down what is real. Like sometimes you'll read something in the paper and you're like, what is that? What are they doing? And, you know, he kind of explains this is how they did the study. This is how they rejiggered the study to get the results they wanted, like the egg board or something like that. So he's just a brilliant voice uh, when you want to understand food and science.
1: Yeah, and the NPCRM has been doing amazing work for so many years, standing mm-hmm. up and and advocating on behalf of of animals and human health. They're, they just do extraordinary stuff. We feel very lucky to have him on our advisory council. He's he's yeah. an amazing guy. One um, of the other organizations that I think, you're just talking so much tonight about animals, if you ever have the opportunity to visit an animal sanctuary. I happen to live right now very close to Farm Sanctuary in Watkins Glen, New York, and it just it changes you.
2: It like gets really hard to go to a place like that, doesn't it? I know it's really when you meet the animals up close and you see their personalities. You know, I have a friend in Arkansas. Her name is Jennifer Barrett, and she she and her husband have yeah an amazing farm. They they were chicken farmers, and they they shifted, now they're vegan, and so they have all these animals that are essentially rescues because they didn't send them to slaughter, you know? To really meet these animals, I, I would definitely recommend that you follow her. Her name is Jennifer Barrett. I mean, you probably do, but anyone else. The animals, you just see their personalities. The cows, the goats, the chickens, you know, and they're just characters. It's fantastic, and like you said, it changes you. When you meet the animals, and basically see what was on your plate you know that's that's who that animal was it's it's a game changer it shifts you
1: yeah jennifer is amazing i love following her on instagram and she um she's jennifer if you're watching you are on my bucket list of people i want to interview because your story is just so amazing and how it's transformed her own health
2: is just extraordinary so oh. You yeah. should see her before and after pictures. They're this. amazing. Yeah. This they're woman amazing. is rock hard strong. She's she's smoking hot athlete, so, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, no, for sure. She's one
1: of those people that's been really fun to follow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kathy, I am so grateful to you for spending time with us tonight. I have two more quick questions for you that came in from our readers, so one is, What are your top three foods that are sort of transitional foods that you're really just loving right now? Oh
2: my God. I know it's hard to narrow it down. (laughs) I know it is hard to narrow it down. I love, I love Beyond Meat Crumbles because I love to make tacos, I love to make lasagna or just you know simple things mm-hmm. so they can just do any kind of thing that ground meat would and I love the the burgers as well. I think Impossible is rolling out their burgers, I just haven't gotten my hot little hands on them yet. <laughs> I love field roast sausage, that's my favorite sausage so I love making pasta with that and sometimes I just make um, like sausage and peppers, I think that's really good. And then, Craig's Vegan Ice Cream is my favorite ice cream out of California, and he will ship boxes to you of ice cream, and it's killer. It's so good. It would be dangerous to have boxes of ice cream shipped to our houses. He ships you a box with these cartons, and they're so good. Yeah, so
1: good. Well, thank you so much. As I mentioned at the beginning of our interview, Kathy was really a game changer for me. I I was already on the plant-based path, but when I read Quantum Wellness, that was the book that made me realize this was more than just about my health, which is why I first started eating this way. This was about a much bigger issue. And you have a chapter in Quantum Wellness called Be the Change. And when I read that chapter, there was a part of it that just, it jumped out and it grabbed me by the heart. And I had heard Dr. Barnard talk not long before that about the statistics for kids that were born in the year 2000 and the number of them that would develop type 2 diabetes by the time they graduated high school. And after I heard that and read your book, I literally wrote in my journal, because I'm a big journaler, you must find a solution to this we have to find a solution and that's literally what made me go back home into the wellness foundation and begin to write the programs that we've now used to help twenty thousand kids on the east end of long island and um so you were a huge inspiration and you didn't know when you were writing that book that there was a paragraph that was going to grip somebody and move them to action so i can't recommend to you all enough to pick up this book because it, for the times we're living in right now and the shift that needs to happen and the light that needs to be put on the dark places, this book will move you to, to want to thank do something. You. So thank you because you're one of my favorite people on the planet. I'm it. so glad I'm here at the same time. Back at you, Chad. I love what you're doing. Thank you. So Kathy, I asked you ahead of time, would you be willing to read the part of the book that, I, that I'm that i referring to? Do you have it with you? Oh. Because I think that's a beautiful way for us to close out tonight and totally appropriate, even though you wrote it you know, back. In, it was published in 2008, but it's so fitting for now.
2: Thank you. Okay. Can you still see me? Yeah. Okay. It says, the more you lean into wellness, the more you cultivate it, Be it through conscious eating, visualization, service, or good communication, the more likely you are to reach a tipping point in your life, finding yourself all of a sudden delivered to a new level of being, a level of extraordinary all-around wellness. And as you move along and experience these upturns, you lift the world right up along with you. You become the healer that this world is aching for. Where there is illness, loneliness, or lack of vitality, apply the salve of wisdom that you have been gifted with. Stitch together your wounds so that you can be more whole and available to gather into your arms the wounded of this world. This is your work to heal yourself, to lift yourself up and into the next level. And as you do, we all will take that quantum leap with you into a healthier, kinder, more loving world. May you be well in every, right, in every way right now and always. May you be the healer you were meant to be. May we all rise together into a glorious new moment of awakening. And so it is.
1: Thank you, my friend, and so it is. Thank you so much. Everybody, I hope you'll join us again next week for Wellness Wednesday. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for updates, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Kathy, so, so much.
2: Thank you, Jan.
0: Thanks for listening to our very first episode of the Plant-Powered and Thriving Podcast here at Wellness Foundation. We are so excited to get this series underway and hope that you find this podcast entertaining, inspiring, and motivating. Be sure to give us a review in the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts and to be sure to share with a friend. If you're interested in any of our programs, please visit WFEH.org.